It's great to be here with you guys this evening. Hello, is that right? Can you hear me? Good stuff, good stuff. I'm going to be sharing some more ideas around the uh, story this evening. On the way out, there's my book, uh, Long Story Short, but also a little booklet here, which is a free thing to take with you, where some of the kind of key quotes and thoughts. Um, so I'm going to give you this kind of presentation this evening, looking at story. Because there's something really powerful about stories. In the beginning, or once upon a time, a long, long time ago, or in a galaxy far, far away, you hear those words and something of you thinks, wow, a story is about to be told. Stories are captivating. They engage the very deepest part of our emotions. And actually, we are surrounded by stories. When you pass a monument, that monument will tell a story. When you pass a billboard, that billboard tells a story. When you look at the news on your phone, you are seeing a story that is being told. Why is it that stories are so powerful? The first thing is that stories frame. Stories have the power to frame things. One of my favourite writers is a guy called Dean Cazones, and uh, he has this amazing story in one of his books when he is ordering pizza. He's ordering it at midnight, and he orders not a, a portion for himself, but a family-sized pizza. And the guy on the phone is saying, what, you want an entire family-sized pizza for yourself? Yes, I do, says Dean. I want more than that. I want some cheesecake. And the guy says, okay, you want a slice of cheesecake? No, no, no. I want an entire cheesecake. The guy on the phone says, are you sure you want an entire family-sized pizza for yourself and an entire cheesecake for yourself? Yes, I do. And more than that, I want an entire flask of coffee. The guy on the phone is thinking, it's midnight. We want to deliver this pizza and this cake and this coffee to you. Where to? The side of a motorway, says Dean. You kind of think, what on earth is happening in this story? And yet suddenly you discover that Dean is an ultra-marathon runner, running 150 miles straight. And so he collects his food and he wraps up the pizza like a taco in one hand, the cake in the other hand, and runs off into the night, munching away, desperate for the calories to keep himself going. The story helps frame the incident and to make sense of what is happening. At my friend's church, they sing... Happy birthday every single week. It's quite a big church, and there's only someone who's got a birthday. So whether you're 5 or 37 or 63, they'll sing you happy birthday. One day my friend said to the pastor, look, do we have to sing it every single week, two or three times? It's becoming too much. Please, I'm so sick of this song. Can we stop singing it as much? And then my friend discovered that the pastor is from a country in Africa where the average life expectancy is 27. And so for them, singing happy birthday is a reminder that life is precious. Stories give a context. They help to frame what is happening. The second thing is that stories inspire, I think. Next slide down. Yeah. Stories inspire. Stories get underneath our skin. They, they, they provoke us. They engage with our emotions. And advertisers know this very well. Are there any fans in here of McDonald's? 
<laughs> Generally a younger age profile puts a hand up. Okay. Um, so a couple of years ago, McDonald's celebrated 40 years of the Big Mac. And you might have thought they would have a nice kind of that picture of the perfect patty and the perfect drink with condensation running down the side. But that wasn't what they did. They had these three different paints. This one here, first of all, the just passed your test drive through They tried to associate burgers with key memories, with key stories that connect you with the brand. Next one, one up, one up before then as well. Next one down maybe. The Labour Ward wait, and two up is the one about, my favourite one I think, from McDonald's, going two up. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, one more up there. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, the nervous first date. First of all, you should be nervous if you're taking your date first time to McDonald's. You should be nervous. But it was the idea of playing this idea of stories, that stories inspire, they get beneath our skin, they engage with our emotions. Stories frame, stories inspire. Bobette Buster has that quote on the screen just now. The idea that in film, she's a big Hollywood movie maker, that we want to see people either do really well or become the living dead. And that we want to be inspired by the things that we watch to live a better life. The third thing is that stories guide. There's a famous man on the next slide down, after stories guide, um, one more down, uh, which is from Donald Miller, who explains that any story is basically this. It's a character who wants something and has to overcome conflict to get it. That is the core of any good story. Now, quick test for you, okay? I want to give you a pitch from a film. I want to get quite interactive, is that okay? This corner here are fine, this group not so much, but okay. Okay, Uh, in this film, what does the character want? Next one down. E.T. wants to get home. Good, good. In this film, what's the fine Nemo? Next one down. James Bond wants to get baddies or get girls, depending on how you view James Bond. Yeah, okay. Next one down. These soldiers, save Private Ryan. Next one down. These guys want to get back to the future. Next one down. Uh, Chief Brody wants to try and. Kill Jaws, kill the shark. Yeah, next one down. Uh, Andy Dufresne wants to escape prison. Brilliant, next one down. The Fellowship, what do they want to do? Get rid of the ring. Next one down. Uh, this guy, William Wallace. Freedom or just kill the English. Again, depending on how you see that film. This guy here, Macaulay Culkin. Wants his parents to come home or to get rid of the bad guys. Yeah, next one down. 27 dresses, who's seen this? Who admits to seeing this? Okay, Jane wants to, Jane wants to get married. She's always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Now, apart from that film, they're all good films. Um, (laughs) Because they're all films about a character who wants something and has to overcome conflict to get it. Next slide down. Stories frame... Stories inspire and stories guide. And the question is this, each of our lives is telling a story. But what stories frame your story? What stories inspire your story? And what stories guide your story? 
You are a character, but what is it you want and what are you willing to overcome in terms of conflict to get it? Next slide down. The power of story. My daughter, um, it's one of her best ever hiding places, playing hide and seek. She thought she was hidden very well then. I love being a dad because I get to play games again with my kids and my kids are rubbish at hide and seek. They are young, but I still kind of like to win. So it's, it's great fun because I'll try and count to 10 and they'll go and hide and I'll be counting and I'll hear them making so much noise that I know exactly where they are. And I'll finally say, right, I'm coming. And they'll go, okay, daddy. And I think, I know exactly where you are. But I'll do the thing where you go, are they on the ceiling? No. Are they outside? No. Are they behind the cat? Oh, there they are. What a great hiding place. They think it's so good that the next time they go to exactly the same place again. <laughs> the best bit, though, is when I get to go and hide. Because I'm quite good at hiding. And my kids leave me for hours. And when they start crying, I know it's gone too far. But <laughs> the idea of hide and seek. Here's the thing. There are some big questions about how we choose to live our lives. How we live a good life. The best kind of story. And sometimes we can hide away from the questions about which stories are impacting us. What story do I want my life to tell? Next slide down. There is a famous Frenchman called Jean-Francois Lyotard. Fantastic French name. And uh, he's died now, but he invented a phrase called the meta-narrative. Meta means big, narrative means story, but it sounds quite posh, the meta-narrative. And he argued that basically um, most civilizations have a big overarching story that helps people to understand how they live their lives. But that what's happened is that in the West, we've lost this sense of having a bigger story. In fact, the only story we really have is a story of science. We come from dust and we go back to dust. All we are is a series of chemical reactions. But this story isn't a big enough story. The next slide down is a quote from Neil Postman who says this. In the end, science does not provide the answers most of us require. The story of our origins and our end is, to say the least, unsatisfactory. To the question, how did it all begin? Science answers, probably by accident. And to the answer, how will it all end? Science answers, probably by accident. And to many people, the accidental life is not worth living. Science it doesn't give us a big enough story for why we're here and how we make sense of life, how we deal with death, how we engage with difficult things that are happening around us. It fails to provide us with a big enough story. So what we've often done is found much smaller stories to live for. The first one is this. I want to be safe. We live in an unpredictable world. Who knows what's going to happen with Brexit? We've all got no idea what's going on. Things that keep changing. Nothing is certain. Nothing is safe. And sometimes there's a desire in our lives just to try and make ourselves as safe as possible. To keep my job as secure as possible. 
to make sure I've got enough money in my pension to give myself as much security as possible, to build bigger walls and more towers and surround myself so I feel safer time and time again, that many of us in our society today are living the story, I want to be safe. The second story is this, I want to be happy. That whole kind of phrase you often have that, hey, whatever my kids do, I just want them to be happy. It's a nice notion, but happiness has become the narrative that sometimes we are trying to live our lives by. Some of us are all about the moment. How do I have most happiness in this moment? On a Friday or Saturday night, look at our town centres. People desperately trying to live for a sense of what it is to be happy. And for others, it's not about the moment, but about one day I'll be happy. One day I'll be happy when I finally finish my exams at school. One day I'll finally be happy when I finally get my first paycheck. One day I'll be happy when I finally get my first car. One day I'll be happy when I finally get my first house or or my first child or when I finally retire or when I finally... We actually wish our lives away thinking I'll be happy one day. We live for this sense of story. I want to be happy and that's all it is. And the third one is this. I want to change the world. That many of us want to make a difference in the world. I've got friends who are doing some great stuff on, on fighting poverty, on challenging injustice, on saving rainforests, and a whole variety of things. And sometimes we choose this to be our story. I want to change the world. There was an interesting programme on, uh, on Netflix recently, next slide down, called Battling ISIS. It was all about these young people in the UK in their early 20s, who had chosen to fly or to travel over to the Middle East to get involved with Syria in fighting ISIS. They were there as volunteers, not getting paid. They joined up to fight in a battle that wasn't really their battle, willing to sacrifice their lives. And the reporter kept asking them, why is it you're here? You've you've got a degree, you've got a family back home. Why are you in this battle zone? What are you doing here? And time and time again they said, I want my life to count for something. I want to make a difference. I want to change the world. And it's a great sentiment, we want to change the world. And we do all want to play our part in changing the world. But again, I believe that this story is too small a story. Those three stories we have there. I want to be safe. I want to be happy. I want to change the world. The thing is with this, is that the story we choose to live by impacts how we view ourselves. It impacts our understanding of our identity. If it's I want to be safe, then we become defined by how safe we feel. We're defined by how much money's in the bank and and how safe our job is and how our family's doing. We become defined by these things. Or if it's I want to be happy, We're defined by how we're feeling in this moment, how our emotions are doing right now. Or if it's, I want to change the world, we're defined by the impact that we are making. The truth is, these three smaller stories put so much pressure upon ourselves to be something or to organise something or to make something happen. And the truth is, we will not always be safe. One day, we will all die. We won't always be happy. 
There is this roller coaster of life that we're on. It's not always easy. Things do get tough, no matter who we are. I want to change the world, but actually there'll be things in the world that we want to change that we can't always change. And sometimes we end up carrying this massive burden on our shoulders, which ultimately we can't carry. That famous philosopher, I think, on the next slide down, Russell Brand. He says, if taking drugs worked, I'd still be doing it. If promiscuous sex was continually fulfilling, I'd have carried on. If fame and fortune were the answered, I'd hurl this laptop out of the window and get on with making movies. They don't work. Searching for something else beyond the the, the happiness and and a safe narrative. What else can help make sense of my life to live a good life? Next slide down. It's a picture of Bruce Dyer, a footballer. And a few years ago, he had three dreams as a kid. He wanted to watch himself on Match the Day. He wanted to drive a sports car and to buy his mum a house. Amazingly, at the age of 18, he was sold for a million pounds to Crystal Palace. And overnight, he watched himself on Match the Day. He bought himself a sports car and he bought his mum a house and suddenly thought, I've done it all. I've achieved these things, but is this it? There's got to be more to life than this. He ended up becoming a disciple of Jesus. Next slide down. James Boyne Smith writes this. Narrative is the central function of the human mind. We turn everything into a story in order to make sense of life. We dream in narrative. We daydream in narrative. Remember, anticipate, hope, despair, believe, doubt, plan, revise, criticise, construct, gossip, learn, hate and love by narrative. In fact, we cannot avoid it. We are storied creatures. Our stories help us navigate our world to understand right and wrong and to provide meaning. Perhaps some of us here tonight have been living that story of being safe or that story of being happy or that story of changing the world. But I believe there is a bigger story that helps make sense of how we live our lives well. The next slide down. It's in Scripture, in the Bible, that we find this idea of a meta-narrative, a big story that frames human history. It isn't just a rule book, but it's a book that helps us understand the answer to two of the most important questions in the world. The first question is this. Who is God? What is he like? The Bible reveals the mystery of who God is. That God is good. That God is love. That God is just. We also discover the answer to a second question. Who am I? That ultimately we shouldn't be defined by our circumstances, by how safe we feel or how happy we feel or the difference we can make. We are defined by who God says we are. That we are his children and that we are loved. Next slide down. This story begins at the very beginning in Genesis 
this picture of creation that is good, good, good. And then he creates man and woman and he says, it is very good. A real true reminder there that actually we as humankind were part of God's plan. We are not some mistake, some thing that just happened by science doing its stuff. We were created with meaning and for a purpose that actually we are loved by our God, Father God in heaven. But this good creation, as we know in the story, there is a choice that is made in the garden where fruit is taken and eaten. And in that moment, we understand the, the impact of sin. The word sin can be quite a confusing word, but ultimately, it's about when we make the story about ourselves, when we put ourselves at the very centre of the story rather than God being the centre of the story. And as that one choice was made, the entirety of creation is thrown out of sync. Things are broken and smashed and ruined. There is a broken relationship with God in heaven. There is also the broken relationship with creation, where we engage with God's planet. There's a broken relationship with how we interconnect with other people. We see it on a national level, but also on a personal level. We have grievances with one another. But we also have a broken relationship with how we view ourselves. When we look in the mirror, we can often think we are defined by circumstance rather than being defined by who God says that we are. And in this story, we see the impact and this mess that is created. And God sends different people to try and restore things as they should be. He chooses his nation, Israel. They were blessed to be a blessing. But time and time and time again, they fail. He calls leaders to lead people back. He calls priests. He calls prophets to speak out his word. But time and time again, things don't work out. The mess is still there. And so Father God sends his son into the brokenness. As he steps into the brokenness and the mess of humanity. My friend has a story of a church over in the States. And one day they were having communion. And for communion what they decided to do was, was, to, was to put plastic sheeting all over the floor. To put all the chairs away. And in the middle of the floor, they got this massive pile of rubbish. Paper, cardboard, but also tissues and bits of old fish and empty cans and tins. A massive mound of rubbish. And everyone came to church thinking, what is happening here? What is this pile of mess? And why is there plastic sheeting on the floor? Everyone gathered around this massive pile of mess. And then during the service, one of the leaders marched into this pile of mess, took out wine, and bread and said today we celebrate communion we celebrate that Jesus entered the mess of the world to lay down his life and the people were one at a time invited to wade through this stinking pile of rubbish to break bread to drink wine and to remember what Christ had done for them what it means to be called to the brokenness and the mess of the world Jesus enters human history and then as he grows up we have his three years of ministry as he tells stories as he heals the sick as he challenges injustice 
as he shows us what it is to be in relationship with the Father. Time and time again, he spent time alone with the Father. And often we hear the Father speaking to him. We hear these words. This is my son whom I love. As the story goes along, Jesus is taken to the cross. And on that cross, he deals with our brokenness and the sin and our failings. He deals with the way we put ourselves at the very centre of the story. And because of his perfect life on earth, his death opens the way that we can know the Father. But it wasn't just his death, it was also his resurrection. When he bursts out of the grave triumphant, the cross was not the end. And then, as he commissions his disciples, I love that story in John, when he's with his closest friends, having been risen from the dead, and he breathes on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. And then those disciples, ordinary people, on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit comes and enables them and they turn the world upside down. This is where we find ourselves in the story. This is where we get to join in, to be a part of God's unfolding story. As we, like those early disciples, get to go and share his goodness, to share in the message of Jesus, to share what it is to be in relationship with our Father in heaven. But we also know how the story ends. The picture of a new heaven and a new earth. I think it's important that sometimes the church, we remember how the story ends. We can often get a bit depressed, a bit fed up as Christians. But we know how the story ends. There is always hope. There is always hope. No matter how dark days may seem, there is hope. We know how the story ends. And so for me, it's this story. This meta-narrative that we find in Scripture that makes sense of so many things. Next slide down. It gives us a sense of hope. More than that, next slide down. It makes sense of our need for spirituality. We are created as spiritual people to be in relationship with a God who is spiritual. Next slide down. It's about wanting to worship something bigger than ourselves. More than when Liverpool win the Champions League, there is something else still to worship that doesn't quite go according to plan. God has created us a desire to worship something. Next slide down. In the enormity and the complexity of creation, I don't believe it could happen by mistake. There has to be something behind it, and I believe that is God. But it's also, next slide down, in the beauty of creation, being out today and just seeing the sun Wow, they're still there. Seeing God's handiwork all around us. The next slide down. It's the sense of justice that each of us has, of what is right and what is wrong. I remember seeing a film a few years ago called Slumdog Millionaire. You guys seen that film? It was advertised as a feel-good factor film. But as I was watching it, as those kids were being purposefully hurt in that film, I began to feel sick and angry didn't feel good because I knew this kind of injustice takes place. And it, it, it showed me that although I might never meet these kids, this is just a film telling a story, but there's a sense that this is wrong in the world. This sense of what is right and what is wrong comes, I believe, from God because we were made in his image. Next slide down. 
the desire we all have to live a story. Each of us has our own life, a story to live. Next slide down. So for me, Jesus was many things. He was Messiah. He was king. He was rabbi. He was a leader. He was also a profound storyteller. He told stories that captured the crowds. People flocked to hear him. He told stories that really comforted those who were broken and hurting and needed it. But he also told stories that challenged the status quo. These stories often revealed something of that meta-narrative. And perhaps from the most famous stories that's been sung about and written about and painted is that story of the prodigal son. A story of a father who has two children. And the youngest says to his dad, Dad, I want my inheritance now. In fact, I wish you were dead so that I could live a better story. The father does the unthinkable. He divides his property and gives to his youngest son the property, who then spends it and thinks, this is it. I can now live the high life. I can now live the best kind of story. He sells it up and he takes the money and he heads off to the Vegas of the ancient world. This is going to be my great story. There's sex, there's drugs, there's rock and roll. He thinks, this is it. I'm living the perfect story. This is amazing. Yet suddenly all of his money is gone and he hits rock bottom. As he does so, a recession hits the land. He ends up in the darkest of places, doing what any Jew would never have done, feeding pigs. And he's so hungry, he longs for the pig food to eat himself. And he comes to his senses thinking, what am I doing here? I need to go back to my father and beg for forgiveness. So he heads back towards his father. And when he gets there, his father is already waiting for him. He runs over to him. His heart is pounding as he longs to be with his son. And his son has his speech prepared of what he's going to try and say. I just want to become one of your servants. But his father doesn't want to hear this speech. He embraces him. He puts a cloak around him. He puts a ring on his finger. He restores him back into the family unit again. Jesus tells that story as a picture of a much bigger meta-narrative that we have through the pages of Scripture. It's about each and every one of us. Charlie McKenzie has done his two paintings on the next slide down of the prodigal son and the prodigal daughter, which you can't really see right now, but they're in a little booklet. And it's the idea of this warm embrace as the father receives the prodigal. Ultimately, we can all work out a story to live for in our lives. But most of these small stories do not work. Trying to just be safe doesn't work. Trying to just be happy doesn't work. Trying to change the world on our own terms does not work. When we embrace the big meta narrative, the big stories for the pages of history, we know what it is to have a father who longs to embrace us and welcome us home. Then we can begin to live the best kind of story. The father welcomes his son back, he forgives, he extravagantly celebrates his return. Next slide down is this. When we accept the God story, 
Jesus, the storyteller, changes your past because you are forgiven. The shame is gone. The chains are cut loose. But it also changes your present. That right here and right now, because of his Holy Spirit, you can know that you are loved by him, that you are adopted into his family. But also, he changes your future. There is always hope. There is always hope. I've written a short prayer to respond this evening. It's on three slides. Let me read it to you first of all, then perhaps we can read it together. The first slide is this one here. Father, I thank you that you're the author and centre of the big story. I am sorry for when I've made myself the centre of the story, separating myself from you. I give your son, Jesus, the storyteller, my life story. I believe his death and resurrection mean that I can know you personally. I invite Jesus to rewrite my past that I might know I am forgiven. I invite Jesus to write my present that I might know your peace. And I give Jesus my future that in following him, I will find my role in the big story. May your spirit confirm these things. Amen. Perhaps now if you can stand where we're actually able to.